Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Our guest today is Caitlin McGauley. Caitlin is a watercolor artist and textile designer. Her beautiful artwork has been featured by clients including Hermes of Paris, the Ritz Paris, Christian Dior, Estee Lauder, Tori Birch, and many more. Prior to designing her own collection in 2014, she got her start in the industry as a designer for a Ralph Lauren home. She has continued to bring her phenomenal creative talents to the wallpaper and textile industry, and we're so excited to have her on the show today to talk all about it. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a longtime listener of your podcast, (laughs) and I'm just so thrilled to be here. Uh, we are so excited to have an artist on because, as you know, we have a lot of interior designers and we've had a few artists, but I always love the perspective you bring um, because, again, you have you have a beautiful home, too. So. <laughs> so tell us how you got started with your design career at Ralph Lauren Home and how your path has brought you to surface design for wallpaper and textiles. So yeah, I started out at Ralph Lauren Home, which was just an amazing experience. A lot of people will say that it's an education and Mm -hmm. having people who have worked there will say it's an education and it really is. I mean, you're just exposed to these beautiful archives and old textiles and just, it's just an amazing environment. And it was also just, it was really fun. It was just fun social time in my life. There were great designers there. And um, officially, I was a blanket designer. So I was designing cashmere blankets and using tartans from La Caron of Scotland and designing with beautiful gold embroidery. And so really more in the bedding department. But the the thing that was like our Super Bowl was the showroom at the end of a season. So we would design every, the, every department in Ralph Lauren Home would come together, the textile department, the bedding department, the table where every lighting, every everyone would come together and just build this amazingly outrageous showroom from thin air with brand new architect. Like if we were, if it was Chatsworth, it would look like this beautiful English country home. Or um, if it was like the South of France, there would be blue stripes everywhere. And it's just really just beautiful, ethereal, white um, white bedding. And so it was, it was really, it was, it was just so fun to come together. It was like, a, everyone came together and it all, it all, it all worked. And then those would be in the, in the ads for Ralph Lauren home, or it would become the backdrop for like a women's collection ad. So it was just, it was so much fun. No, I mean, I can only imagine, again, working for Ralph Lauren to be such a big name, again, that everyone around the world knows, too. Um, And to put that collection together, um, just to see the different themes and everything, I'm sure helped to, I mean, I can't imagine. (laughs) Yeah, really, I really learned about branding. I really learned about just everybody coming together to make this, to put all the elements together to make it really successful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of what I took from it. Okay. So when was the pivot or how, did, so how did the pivot uh, happen after that? <laughs> so I, while I was working there, I started a blog, which when I listen to your other podcast episodes, this seems kind of a, like a theme. A lot of people started a blog back <laughs> in the day and um, that's kind of how things happened for them. So I started a blog and it was just my travels around New York City and I would I would just paint what I saw. If I saw somebody wearing an amazing outfit or I, I was just doing these little watercolors and putting these little captions under them. So I don't know. I, I just I didn't know whether anyone was looking at it or reading it, but it got the attention of my friend who's still a good friend, um, Michelle Adams, who she is an editor and she started Lonnie magazine. Mm-hmm. with um, the late Patrick Klein, who I just, I loved. He was um, an amazing photographer. 
So they started this um, this magazine and they hired me to be the illustrator for the magazine. And the magazine was really, really innovative. N- nobody before was doing something where you could go online and look at a magazine and click on a link and buy something. Mm-hmm. So it's just really innovative. And so it, it got a lot of notice uh, from just from people. And um, so it happened. That's how Kate Spade found me. So I started doing illustration for Kate Spade. Um, that's how. So I started I started doing <laughs> I was working all day at Ralph Lauren and then I would go home and I would be painting little patterns for Kate Spade dinnerware um, or that. And that's also weirdly how Hermes found me. So I started doing live portrait events for Hermes based on that based on finding me through the blog, through Michelle, through Lonnie. Uh-huh. That is so cool. That is just so neat. I love, love, love Lonnie. So it makes sense that <laughs> it was such a good publication. It was a really good and creative time. And, and like, I was just so, I would just go to work and then come home and I draw all night in my apartment and like go to work. Oh my God. And, um, and yeah, and I, I just, I got a, I, I, it, it was it was a good time, and I um, I just got a lot of illustration jobs from that. Mm-hmm. And then when I was when I had I had I got to the point where I couldn't do both um, as much as much as I really wanted to. It got to the point where I couldn't do both, so I left Ralph. Well, I was pregnant with my first child, and I left when I had enough illustration clients. I left Ralph Lauren, mm-hmm. and and started just full time freelance illustration. But I was still doing a ton of work for Ralph Lauren. Um, I still do. So um, for their children's shops, I do a lot of paintings for their children's shops. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool, though, again, that you still work with them, too. Yeah. They're, they're still, I love working with them. But yeah, so I started, um, I was, I, so that's, that was kind of the, the intro then into more, I could take on more illustration clients. So I really became, it started that I was more of an illustrator than back then versus a textile slash wallpaper. And that's how I got, that's when I started illustrating for the Ritz Paris and um, Tiffany and other brands, Tory Burch. So then how did you get into designing your own wallpaper? So I love painting interiors and the thing that is always the most interesting for me, and this is back from when I started illustrating, I was way more interested in illustrating the little pattern on the chair or the window treatments or something. So I, I was like, I just really, really wanted, I really want to do textiles and wallpaper. I, I, and whenever, when I think of the, when I think of my work and the way that I draw and the way that I paint, I am always thinking about repeats and how things would look on a wall or on a chair. So um, I was, I used to walk with my friend um, when we had little kids, I used to walk with my friend, Marisha. Um, She has a swimmer line who I just designed some prints for, but I used to walk with her in New York and I said to her, oh, I just really, really want to be doing wallpaper and textiles. Like I just, and she was like, oh, well, you should meet my friend, Kate. Um, She owns a showroom, Kate Reynolds. She owns a showroom for wallpaper and textiles. So I met Kate and I showed her my really large scale paintings that I had done of um, of giant tulips. And one of my first wallpapers was a repeating elephant. And I showed her that. And these were just paintings at the time. And she said, yeah, these would make amazing wallpapers. I can introduce you to someone who can make this happen. So that's how I met my printer, who is still my printer to this day, which is 22. And um, so back then, I was one of the first few people that they printed for. Now they print for everyone in the industry. But um, I, so I met with them and I showed them my paintings and we kind of went over what would work. And then I worked with, um, I worked with a graphic designer who was able to put them into repeat because I can do that to a degree, but not, not really. (laughs) So, um, so that's, that's kind of how, that's how I got into Oh, and and also Kate. Kate also offered to represent 
me at her showroom. So that's that's an important thing too for me was being repped from the get go instead of just um, you know putting a bunch of patterns on my website and wondering if they were going to sell or what. Yeah, that is so. That representation did that um, did that mean that she was going to carry your line of wallpapers or did that mean that she was yes. representing you and selling your artwork how how did that work um so so she she w- offered to represent it in their multi- in their multi-line showroom so it was um not just me but several lines in the showroom and she agreed to kind of take me on and then um and so now i'm i'm repped by i'm still repped by kate at temple studio and then i i also i'm repped by um Harbinger in Los Angeles and James in Texas and Patrick Mille in um, Connecticut. So I think that that's important to kind of get yourself out there with wallpaper. Um, So, yeah. And I mean, you offer quite a few patterns too. I do. I, um, it's funny because wallpaper and textiles, it's just, you have to be so sure on, it's it's an investment when you're when you're designing wallpaper and textiles you really have to be behind a pattern in the beginning i kind of was like oh um i'll do every like hot pink crazy thing i'll try it <laughs> and then and then you then i kind of had to take a step back and was like okay well i really need to um I really need to think of what would work in an actual home, not just mm-hmm. what would work on a painting, because it's one thing to hang a painting in your home that's a crazy hot pink, whatever. But to have a whole room or a whole wall, it needs to be a little bit more livable. And actually, the, what really drove that home for me was renovating our own home, which um, we started four years ago. We're like still going, <laughs> but, um, but and really seeing what I would use in my own home. It's not necessarily the hot pink thing. It's the it's the more livable thing. I mean, I think that's again very important for Liz and I, who you know dabble a little bit in it with just what we do for Ballard. It is a you know we have a telescope of there's a certain you know, look we have, right? So we're building out towards that where you kind of have this beautiful, open, what do I love? You know what I mean? Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my problem, I just, I, I want, I do want to design too many things. I have. Right. <laughs> and that's the problem is you just have to, you have to rein yourself in, which is difficult. But yeah, I'm not really, I, I do know, I do, I think that I do have a certain customer who likes my look and who likes, and I'm always thinking about that customer and I'm thinking mm-hmm. about how designers would use my work. Um, like I just, so when I'm designing a wallpaper or a textile, I, I tend to think about the colors that I would use in a painting. But, um, so that's why, for example, Ballard has these fabrics that come in an amazing array of colorways. Mm-hmm. So for me, colorways are it's hard for because I'm like, oh well, I painted it this way, but now I can't. Now I have to envision it in this other colorway. Right? Like I redesigning. Yeah. I have a really popular wallpaper that's butterflies, and it's on kind mm-hmm. of like a minty ground. And I was just designing new background colors for it, and it's. I find that like that it's so much easier for me to just paint it from the get go, and that's what. It, that's why I don't in my line have a lot of colorways. There's kind of like a lot of one offs. I could totally see that though. I, I, Liz again can do that all day. She's so good about like, here's the 12 different colorways. And I'm like, I, (laughs) yeah, it is harder for me to translate it. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so speaking of, I mean, you were talking about, you know, how are these being used? Do you, when you're picturing even the fabric, are you picturing, like, do you find yourself picturing drapes or are you picturing upholstery? Well, I think I love an open, a really open pattern with a really wide and open repeat. So I love a lot of ground space on it, uh-huh. which 
does not necessarily lend itself to a chair. It's like you <laughs> that's true. Make a pillow, you make a pillow with some of that is true. something and there's like one bird in the middle and then there's a ton of blue space <laughs> or a ton of pink space. But when I picture how that would look in window treatments, I love it because it's like a little element here and there mm-hmm. instead of an all over pattern. So I, I think most of what I design lends itself to window. Um, I am I am definitely trying to make things that have a tighter repeat, but the way I just love things tossed. I just love like <laughs> a flower over here and a butterfly over here and a bee over here. I just really like uh, that's kind of my um, my aesthetic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's really sweet, though. It feel it makes it feel more natural versus like a tight repeat pattern, right? And I and I. So I have I have a in in our own home I did a, a few rooms with grass cloth and I had this one pattern that is kind of like that there's a bird here there's a bee there there's a clover there's a little daisy and with grass cloth it's interesting because when you lay the grass cloth side by side there's so much variation between each panel of grass cloth and that can show a lot um when there's a lot of ground space, when there's more coverage, it shows less. Mm-hmm. But with a lot of that solid color in grass cloth, it really it makes the variation in the grass cloth more noticeable. And I happen to love that. I love how each panel can look different. Some people are not okay with that, but I just I, don't, I happen to love the look. So it's printed on grass cloth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Your do. Patterns? Those are probably my most successful wallpapers. Are the are printed on grass cloth. They're so pretty. Then, that texture under your hand painting is so pretty. I think a lot of it, I think a lot came together when I started printing on grass cloth because, I, yeah, I think the texture with the watercolor is really nice. Well, and it's naturals. Like botanicals are natural and then on a natural <laughs> material. I don't know why you, it has this very cohesive, beautiful look oh, to them. Thank you. I'm I'm curious about this pattern where it just has like a butterfly or a mm-hmm. bee or so it doesn't have like a direct repeat where you have to align one piece with another on the grass cloth or it does can they just it does but it's so super large um, that I, well you could there are there are multiple ways that you could hang it you could hang that particular pattern not side by side you could kind of do it however you want. Which is which takes a very skilled uh, paper hanger. Yeah, <laughs> like so not yeah. me. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm not. I don't hang. Well, I like. I I'm not good at it. I've tried it. Um, I'm not so crafty. I can paint, but I can't do anything 3D. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, but yeah. So that that's kind of that's one way to do it. Um, but. Generally, I just like things that have really large and open, a lot of open space. So I, and my process is a little bit, so I, I paint little elements of things or I paint, one of my most um, successful wallpapers is called Flora and it's this repeating bouquet. So I painted a few different bouquets and then I scanned them into my computer. And with my very basic Photoshop knowledge, I just, um, I manipulate it kind of the way that I think it would look, it would look nice. And I get it to where, I get it to where my limit, then I'm, I'm limited to making it into an actual repeat slash wallpaper. So then I hand it off to a graphic designer or my printer. Uh, They have an amazing design department who will then, make it into something real that works for a wall. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful, aren't you so grateful for the graphic designers? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can, I, I, I just, I can scan and I can do some Photoshop, but that's pretty much where my skill set ends. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in the same boat. You can ask again, Liz, I questioned Liz cause I was working on a wrapping paper and oh. the printer was asking me about the re- the repeat and I had kind of created one, but again, it was that same thing where I was like, I had to call the printer and be like, listen, you're going to need to walk me through this because yeah. I can give you all the elements, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really, it's really difficult. And to then to make it look good and, and to make mm-hmm. it 
look like it makes sense on a wall and you know because it could look it, it could make seamless. sense on your screen yeah. but then when you're repeating it out it becomes a whole different animal right because yeah. there could be one little element that stands forward and you see that repeating mm-hmm. over and over again you want to even those out right yeah i tend to do or I, I will ask the graphic design department to do a few different versions so that it's or they just take it upon themselves to do a few different versions because it's it's just like there's always something that you're tweaking or yeah so well i wanted to talk about your murals because we've found I, that you know murals are this huge trend and mm-hmm. Obviously, we love them. And so how many murals, I guess, just the process of the murals, how have you worked through that? And um, talk us through your designs. I love murals. I think it's such it's such a playful look. And it's so I have a grass cloth mural and it's in our bedroom. Um, it's called Tree Mural. And it was the first watercolor mural that I did. N- not watercolor on the wall, just water um, like that I painted and then had it turned into it. Um, a mural for the for wallpaper. And I remember my husband being like, I want to feel like we're like living in a jungle. And I'm like, yeah, I love that's what that's the point. That's what I love about it. I love being surrounded. And it's it's just such a great it's just a good feeling. So um, so I've been doing watercolor murals for wallpaper for a while. I did this really wild, crazy one for for a playroom in Hudson Yards. Um, with tigers and lions and things like that. And um, I'm about to start one, another one for a New York City playroom that has New York City scenes. And I I just love, I, I love doing them. And I'll, I'll paint it at, I'll roll out a huge roll of paper and I'll paint it at a quarter scale or a third scale. And then the printer will photograph it. And um, that's how, because that's too big for me to scan. So right. <laughs> a lot of pressure then, because then I have to like make it look kind of how I, instead of me being able to manipulate it myself, I have to make it, I have to paint it kind of the way that I want it to be. Oh, so yeah. sometimes they'll make me like a, um, a, a sheer, um, like an acetate overlay so that I can, they'll, they'll figure out the wall measurements because I can't do that either, <laughs> um, where they are at a third scale or a quarter scale. And then um, I'll just keep, I'll paint and then I'll keep overlaying it to make sure that everything is laying out where it should be. Oh, like that makes sense. Doors, like oh. outlined in black and I'll mm-hmm. be painting around the doors. Um, so that's what, that's one way of doing it. And then, so but recently I've attempted to paint actually on walls. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the first one I did was at a temple showroom and I was working with the, the designer, Doug Meyer, who had this vision and it, it was this wild, it was a glow in the dark paint in bright colors, like Paisley's Cocteau inspired pattern, wild, crazy pattern. So that was fun and interesting. And then we, when, when we moved into our house, I was like, I really think that I want to start painting, really trying and what, where better to experiment than in your own home. Um, so we, we bought, we bought a painting at, there's a antique store down the street from John Darien called um, Cafiero Select. And we bought this giant painting from there and the artist was unknown but it was a it was topiaries and these blue greens and we had it hanging in our dining room and i was thinking like oh i really want to make a mural kind of based on this color palette and this vibe so um and then hang the painting over it when when we're done when i'm done so i just i bought a bunch of sample pots from um the local hardware store ben from benjamin moore And I just, um, I didn't really, I, I knew I could picture it in my mind what I wanted to do, (laughs) but I didn't lay it out so much. So, um, so, but that was just such an amazing project. And then I just, because it was just so much fun because it was my own home and I felt that I could really experiment. And then as I'm painting it, I'm finished that. And then I'm like painting now the entry and like the rest of the house. 
like gradually moving up the stairs. <laughs> I absolutely oh, love it. So awesome. I know. And uh, obviously I just mentioned you a few episodes ago because I was, awesome. you have made me feel brave enough to do it and do it. I have followed you for so many years and loved your work. And then when I saw you start painting on your own walls, I was like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I just finished my house. So I was like, I mm-hmm. could just do it. So even the room I'm recording in is one that like, I'm like, do I buy wallpaper or do I just go for it? I don't know. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I, I think you, I think you go for it because you know what? You can always paint over it. And I tried it in a sort of like a closet area of my studio. I tried, I, <laughs> and I don't like what I did. So I'm glad that I did it. And, you know, I just mm-hmm. kind of, because I didn't, I didn't want to do a typical mural. I wanted to do something that was based on these paintings that I love. And mm-hmm. I, so I really needed to practice a little bit first. And even mm-hmm. while I was doing it, I, if I mess something up, you just paint over it. It's not, it's Love no it. big deal. <laughs> no big deal. That's such a great, <laughs> but that's such a great have attitude your white to have. wall color on hand. <laughs> 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 that yeah, that's very true. You have talked also, and you show your home a lot on your, or you share your home on Instagram, and you have such a beautiful home. How has the renovations gone for you? Well, when we moved in, it was kind of in a um, in a gray gardens. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was just this beautiful old house from the 1920s but there were it was there were a lot of broken windows and things like that so we had to really establish first before we could do anything decorative just the structure of it and get all we had to replace every mm-hmm. window and um you know do do all that first and um we have all these old beams and just really nice elements from from the 19, the early 1930s. Um, and we still, we have this like crazy basement with a tiki bar. It looks like a 1970s ski lodge. Like there are certain things about the house that are quirky and weird that I want to keep intact. Um, that our kitchen, (laughs) which, you know, is a huge thing, um, Mm -hmm. having to, having to move out of your kitchen and I'm not, Mm. I don't cook often, but it was still having to just, having to do that was, was hard, but no, it's really nice. I mean, we live, we live on a, we live on a lake, so we have like swans and geese and everything around. And, um, so that was part of the mural also that I wanted to bring, I wanted to bring the outdoors in a little bit. So pretty. And I totally understand why it's such a beautiful location too. Um, well, I, again, I was going to ask this question about your studio because it's in your home and you still, at some point you said, I paint on the floor and I'm still painting on the floor. So <laughs> can you talk about designing, a, have you designed your studio? And if so, like things people need, don't need? <laughs> yeah. So I would say people probably, I need, I know that I need a table now because I can, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm just... I like to get sort of all around and on top of what I'm painting that I paint on the floor, but also just painting with watercolors, you know, you can't, you have to paint flat. And then, so I'm, I decided that I'm going to buy a table that like, I guess when I'm painting on the floor, it's more like my larger scale things. I can sit at a desk and paint small scale things. Okay. Okay. So your small paintings are at a table. Uh, Yeah. But the large scale, I have to be like all Mm -hmm. kind of all around it. Um, And so, so I do when I'm doing the smaller scale thing, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I've worked I used to work out of my bedroom in New York and I had to put everything away. And I just, I love having a space where I have access to everything and everything is out all the time. And it, with that, things can get really, really messy. Um, but I just, I just like to have my art supplies at the ready. I don't ever put anything away really on my desk. I always mm-hmm. pour on the floor. I have my palettes and I have my, my brushes and my paints out all the time. And working, working at home is great because I, after my, 
after I put my kids to bed, if I'm working on a deadline or something, I can come back up here and, and work. Um, you know, there are pluses and minuses. I think we all learned during the past few years of working working in your own home because it never really goes away. But if I'm excited about working on something, I don't want to leave and work on some. I just want to just like run up the steps to my studio and work on it. So you mentioned that you are finding inspiration in your own backyard and on the lake. Mm-hmm. What are some other places that you like to find inspiration? Uh, I mean, really, nature is is my main my main thing. I love I love nature. Um, I love and the 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 reason why is because I love the colors and I love like the I try to use the colors that you would find in nature in my paintings and like I love something that you know the like an orange butterfly against a blue sky or like right now we have hellebore the flat like the the dusty purple against like there's still a lot of browns and the and gr- dark greens in the landscape right now, and so I get I get most of my inspiration from nature, but um, I do love I I love MoMA and I just brought my kids to MoMA a few weeks ago, and um, and I love I, I I'm looking at children's books all the time. I don't know if that has to do with, but I'm I'm looking at like. Babar and I, I I also like the primary colors of children's books. So Yeah. And yeah, I brought my kids to um the hopper at the Whitney last week or the week before. And um, you know, it's just like getting out and just being in the world and just being inspired from n- nature mainly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, just constantly seeing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Well, and I was going to say, I, I feel you on the kids book angle because I'm deep in the like, you know, reading oh, yeah. to my little kids every night. And I will say, have you seen Holly Hobby's art? She is my favorite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've bought quite a few of hers just because I, she has little books about pigs that, again. <laughs> no, anything with animals, anything with little pigs. or uh, little, Yeah. So cute. So I can totally see that angle. But mm-hmm. you had, you had mentioned art and some, you know, something you had purchased and been inspired by. And um, even, I know you've talked about architecture and as a watercolor artist, for some reason, drawing something so open, like with watercolor, that's so imperfect, but drawing architecture, something that is so perfect Mm-hmm. I don't know why that for me too is one of those things that I love doing it because I'm like, I'm just messing up something beautiful, but making it its own thing versus copying it, I guess. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a artist on Instagram. It's, it's classical watercolors and he paints these amazing renderings of architecture and, and they're watercolor. And that's why I love watercolor too, because watercolor can be kind of splashy and um, you know, n- not have a structure, but you can also make it incredibly structured and paint these incredible renderings using really like tight. I don't know how he does it, but it's, it's uh, like something I can never do. It's so beautiful. <laughs> so speaking of, so how did you come into um, watercolor? How did you learn? So I started taking lessons when I was a kid, when I was like eight years old and um I started with this with this woman. She set up a bunch of card tables in her in her living room and we took group lessons and she would give us <laughs> Do you see your future ahead of you? Yeah. <laughs> she would give us green, brown, blue, and purple. And we could only use those colors. And so I think maybe now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's why yeah. that was why <laughs> limited palette to this day like I only to make the colors that I use I only use a very few amount of colors so maybe that's why I don't know but um and then I started taking lessons from this woman who like she was an artist and her husband was teaching music across the hall and they lived in this like little a-frame house on a lake and it was really like a hippie kind of experience so then I I continued with her and then and I just never I, watercolor was always my thing I I never really excelled at any other medium I tried everything but watercolor just kind of stuck and watercolor for me is like it's so 
I'm, I'm pretty impatient. Like I could never paint with oils and wait for the different layers and wait for things to dry. And so I'm more of like an immediate result type person. So watercolor <laughs> is great. <laughs> well, I, I feel the same way. I, I learned in high school, um, I took lessons and I just found it so funny because I didn't know anyone else that was doing watercolor at the time of like friends, you know, like I felt like everyone knew acrylics and, mm -hmm. and oils. And I was like, I, I don't, I just know this one medium and it feels so hard to transition. So I was going to ask if you, there were any other mediums that you um, enjoyed. No, honestly, and it's doing the murals and muraling up my, my house has been interesting because using, a, using something that's not so easy to manipulate for me has been a challenge. So I'm trying to figure out how my watercolor painting and my technique kind of translates to murals. Um, but I have tried acrylics and I have tried, I love painting on things with acrylics, uh, painting on like shoes and bags and things like that with mm -hmm. acrylics. I find that if I'm if I just focus on the shapes, like if I'm painting a dog or something, I'm I if I'm painting with acrylics, I have to kind of visualize it as in solid shapes and then paint the layers like so, like the okay, the whole dog is brown. Then I add in the darks, mm -hmm. then I add in the lights. Because with watercolor it's so different because I do paint in layers, but you start with the lightest layer and you keep adding on. But with acrylics, it's like, oh wow, I can paint over this to make it look right. right. <laughs> Whereas watercolor, you're you're out of luck if it doesn't look the way you want it the first time because it's mm -hmm. just it's permanent. There's no there's no painting over in watercolor. Mm -hmm. I think that's the watercolor as free as it is is also a plan. You always have a plan because you have to know you have to layer up, and so you yeah, and there's no going back once you mess it up. So yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't like to use, I don't like to, um, I don't like to use pencils. So unless I'm doing an illustration project, like I just did this wild illustration project for Rebecca Gardner, where I was painting, like envisioning her tent at round top and she's in the middle and she's like a, she's looking in a crystal ball. And there were a lot, just like a lot of elements to it. So I really had to lay that out with pencil. And then I used a light box to um, to, to get to my final, mm -hmm. and, um, with my sketch. But typically if I'm painting like the paintings that I, that are up on my website, I don't like to use pencil and then erase it. I try to just paint it. And then, so I have, I mess up a lot, but, um, but <laughs> I, I, I would rather do that and waste a little, waste some paper sometimes than pencil. I don't know why. Well, because sometimes it shows through too. So yeah, so I just like the look of it not showing through for my own work. I love it yeah. on other mm -hmm. people's work, but <laughs> just for my own, I don't know. Okay, I have a question about pattern mixing because that's something we talk about a lot here. And when you're designing your patterns, mm -hmm. are you thinking about other patterns that might play nicely, or mm -hmm. how do you, or do you know, are you thinking about? other palettes and keeping it neutral right? or scale? Yeah. I'm, I do think about scale a lot. And I think about, I think a lot of designers when they're, when they're designing will use like, you know, the hero pattern and then have a, a ditzy floral or a stripe or a dot. And um, that is one of my goals is to make some more patterns that are not so like I tend to focus on that one that's the bold floral, the big statement. But um, I also, another thing that I want to start getting into is hand prints and screen prints because I just, I think they're so beautiful. And having worked at Ralph Lauren and seeing all these gorgeous hand prints, um, I, I would love to, I would love to make some, but the problem is, is that they need to be a smaller amount of colors because of the screens. So like, I can't, I can't take like a floral that's a million colors and turn it into a screen print. So I'm thinking like, well, what can I make that can be a few different colors, like a stripe or a coordinating dot? I don't, I don't necessarily think that people would come to me for that. Um, but I think 
that if you if I mix them together, like if 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 I had a stripes next to a floral that made sense, I think that would be a great combination. And I I have this dream of like having a little shop and having like everything covered in paintings, but like the lampshades are little dots and the there's a mural on the wall and they're cushion striped cushions and just pattern everywhere. So uh, yeah, I'm all for mixing pattern in every in every way. I do agree with that. Having the the grouping it makes it so easy for people too. Like mm-hmm. you said, like being able to grab your stripe that you know goes with the dot. Um it just makes it easy to and right. and a grouping of pillows like that, absolutely. Like mm-hmm. love. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that would be gorgeous. And just hearing you talk about the vision of like a future store, that just sounds so lovely. Yeah, we'll see. That would so make it real. <laughs> make it real. We like to yeah. shop. Make it real. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Well, another area I wanted to talk about real quick was as an artist, you're selling paintings all the time. So I wanted to talk about even framing, because I feel like framing is kind of daunting for people. Mm -hmm. Um, So just kind of your opinion on, you know, best places to go, what's kind of in style, do you, how do you even handle watercolors in the matting area? Mm -hmm. I, for watercolors, I personally love framing, framing the piece floating on the same color mat. So the beautiful thing about watercolor when you're when you're painting on watercolor the paper just becomes manipulated in a certain way that it's kind of undulating and it's not it's not so flat so when you put a mat over a watercolor the watercolor is still going to kind of buckle under that mat but if you let the watercolor paper do what it's supposed to do on top of the 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 same color mat so you would go to a framer and you would say that you would like something framed floating on the same color mat. Um, and then I just love to do a natural wood frame or um, I had a, I did a small show a couple of years ago and I just decided that I wanted to do everything framed floating, but I wanted to use all different color frames. So this might be better in a child's space or, um, you know, but I mean, I guess it could work anywhere depending on the colors. But I did yellow frames and red and green and pink and turquoise. And I just had had the display of all the frame colors side by side. And I just thought it re- made a really nice statement. So I would say, don't be afraid to frame something floating in red or in blue or whatever color. Um, because that's part of it too, is the framing. So I, I go to City Frame in New York, but you could also, you could also go to Michael's and you know, get, get something done, done there. Or, I mean, if you tell them what you want and you show them an example, it's great. It's, they could do a great job too. I mean, thank you so much for talking us through all of that. I'm, you know, excited to see what else you come out with. And Liz, did you have any more questions? No, if, if we're ready, I'd love to get onto our decorating dilemma. Okay, here's our decorating dilemma. Hi, ladies. I've been binge listening to your podcast for the better part of a year, attempting to absorb some design knowledge since my husband and I will soon be starting our own design project this spring. It's been two years in the making between architecture drawings, special permits, approval from conservation committees, and waiting for waiting in line for our contractor. But at the 11th hour, my husband leans over to glance at the plans and says... What if we move the kitchen to the middle of the house and the family room to the back of the house so we can enjoy more of the view? Oh my God, could you stand that? Um, Of course, I almost flipped my lid that he would suggest something so ludicrous, but then I realized he actually had a good idea, so now I'm confused on what to do. Our original plans are in black showing an L-shaped open kitchen to the back of the home with the pantry located in the middle across from what's labeled dining and sitting. He, his proposed idea is drawn in red, showing a family room configured with L-shaped sectional and kitchen across from the pantry, which could either be U-shaped with a peninsula. Is that a four-letter word these days? 
or, or an L shaped with a small island. Thank you so much for indulging us with your delightful podcast and helping with my dilemma. And for those of you playing at home, we will put pictures of this online so that you can see her drawings as well. Okay, Caitlin, you have some experience with home renovations, doing your own home. What are your thoughts on this? So first of all, I feel I feel your pain because <laughs> and getting things drawn up the way you want and then changing your mind. It's and then the just the idea, just the thought of having to go and get another permit is very um it's very daunting. So so that being said, I do like your original plan. <laughs> I do like in our experience, we have our kitchen also coming off of our deck, which I really like because if we're entertaining outside, we have immediate access to bringing out trays of food and that we we did things in our own kitchen where we did like hidden garbage where we where we walked like when you're walking through to the kitchen from the back. So I do like the kitchen in the back of the house. I also, I wonder this, this sitting and dining area, if you're looking at the deck to the left of the kitchen, could that be the informal seating area with the L shape? Because then you could, you could kind of have the best of both worlds. And then if you were to take where your husband drew a uh, like an island with a sink in it. Um, if you could make that into like a more a dining area that's sort of delineated from the kitchen, you could put wallpaper up and make it a totally different vibe in a different room. Put some gorgeous lighting. I don't know. Just make it kind of make that the sort of the dining room. Then make the thing that's attached the whole the large room that's attached to the deck, the kitchen and this and the sitting and dining room, one big room. And I do I love the idea of a of a really large island. That's where we we did that in our kitchen and it's where we eat. It's where when people come over they just gather, they tend to gather there. My kids do homework there. So, I do kind of I don't know whether you I I do like the original idea, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I sort of agree too. Again, having done it myself recently and built a house, it's such a hard decision to really be realistic about how you live. And I think that's one of these two. Like, do you live in an area or, you know, where you will eat outside? Because then you've made it, you're less likely. The further you get away from that outside space, you're less likely to haul your stuff to your point outside and inside when you're like cooking and, um, right. That's really true. And if you think about it seasonally too, like you're, we're on the cusp of like spring and summer and ready to like bust out going outside and entertaining outside. So if he's thinking that he wants to enjoy that space and that view, is he asking that in the winter when he's not going to be going outside and schlepping all the food? When did he tell us? What are his real motivations? Yeah, but I love the idea of of combining the the sitting area and moving the sitting area over there. So then it's everybody wins, right? Because I mean, it, it's just there is there is a lot of space, and I think there's there are some there's there's so much that you can do and i also i don't know i just like yeah i think i think if you can if you can delineate that other room somehow and make it make it really special there's just so you have so much space it's so nice <laughs> mm-hmm. well and it looks like her kitchen will have to be a little bit smaller you know if right. she did swap which also might be important to her because like you said too like the big island and is so mm-hmm. nice to have and do you really want your sink on your island is kind of how they have it drawn yeah that was that was another thing like i, I since we you it's such a social thing for us to use the island mm-hmm. we have three chairs on each side and we really use it as a dining table every like that's where we eat every night with with our kids and every morning we have breakfast there and so and when people come over you have space for people to be on both sides and and like if you're if they have kids and they're doing homework you don't want the sink there and splashing all around and so 
yeah, I think oh, that's true. Big, big island with no sink is my opinion. <laughs> well, technically, too, he has the view. He's drawn. Your husband has also drawn the L-shaped sectional away from the view. So right. he's only not helping himself with this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his, view, his view is the TV. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, which you all could also could say, you know, a dark TV room. But I guess you yeah. honestly, it's for me, it's really like you guys need to be realistic about how you live and not mm-hmm. how you, I mean, how you want to live, but like being realistic to who you are, if that makes sense. Which I know That's if true. you've just done a renovation, I'm sure you had many things where you're like, oh, we'll do. I don't know. Mine. One of the things I used as an example for people, and I, I'm pretty sure I already told everyone was at some point we were like, oh, let's do a hot tub with our pool, and then we were like, you know, the the pool um, builder was like, are you hot tub people? And we were like, <laughs> would you actually like, use it? <laughs> and I'm not right. to say we we might have been, but I'll never know now because we were like, I mean, in the evening we'll probably just watch TV versus like putting on bathing suits, walking outside. Yeah, like. Yes. I know us. <laughs> so yeah, it's true. That's such a good point. You really have to know yourself. And like I know myself where in our in our old house and I have a lot of friends who have open kitchens and um out and they love to cook and they love to like be in the environment. And like I'm just not I'm an okay cook, but I'm not the best. And like I'm not I'm not a it it just wouldn't be for me. So we, we closed it off to the, I mean, not closed it off there, but, um, but it's not open because mm-hmm. it's just not my life, I guess. I'm not yeah. that, that amazing chef who's like talking to you and entertaining while they're cooking. I, you yeah. Know. I, but again, that's you being realistic. So right. it's not to say the new design is wrong. It's just more of you know, what's important to, yeah, what's important to them. I I definitely think they could both work and you could make both of those, both of these situations work. But yeah, just looking at how you live is, is important. Knowing Mm -hmm. our luck, this back view is like of some beautiful red rocks in Sedona or something. And we're going to (laughs) be like, no, forget it. Everything face that way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we needed a picture of the view too. That might have helped persuade us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, please. Oh, that's, I mean, maybe it's in her photos. No, it's not. I was making sure as I said that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Lauren, send us pictures of what you finally decide. Yes. Mm. Hopefully that helps you kind of guide you. Listen to your heart. And mm-hmm. also the 11th hour doesn't help that, but you got this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Caitlin, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you let everybody know where they can find you and follow you? Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's my name. It's just um, at Caitlin McGauley. And my website is CaitlinMcGauley.com. And I have wallpaper and wallpaper samples and fabric samples available and artwork. So yeah, those are the two main places that I am these days. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you today. This was lovely. Thank you. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating!